Football Made Simple. Become great at your craft by finding ways to make it simple for those around you. This is the Coaching 101 Podcast, hosted by Find A Way Productions. With your co-host, Daniel Chamberlain and Kenny Simpson. What's up, coaches? This is Coaching 101 Podcast. I'm Daniel Chamberlain. I'm here with Kenny Simpson. Coach, it's rainy and cold today. How about that? It's finally yeah. football weather, right? Yeah, if you're a hunter, I know I've got a lot of hunters on my staff and players. That's what they like. So it's, uh, it's, it's that time of year. I imagine when this comes out, it's probably going to be that time of year where a lot of guys are wrapping up, you know, your season or making a playoff run if that was in the cards or reevaluating uh, for what's coming next year. I know I have a – my wife handles a lot of our shipping when we get book orders – and those tend to peak as guys are starting to look at what's coming next year. Yeah, we've got a lot more orders coming in, so my guess is there's a lot of guys that are kind of peeking ahead to what we want to do next year. And if you're still playing uh, and you're in the playoff push, man, best of luck. You know, we'd love to hear, like Daniel mentioned, we'd love to hear from you if you want to comment on one of these platforms and tell us about it. You know, we're excited about season two and where we'll go during the off season. Just trying to keep everything kind of afloat right now. I'm. Uh, we're in the middle of a pretty good little run where I am right now, and hopefully we'll keep that going, get some tough games going. Coming up, and Daniel, I know you have uh, – y'all are doing pretty well too, and big games coming up, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and you know, Oklahoma's uh, 6A1 is kind of weird, and I, th- I guess 6A2 as well. There's there's only 12 teams, and, and they all go to the playoffs. So you're really playing for seeding all season, um, and then – and just kind of see where you can make it. Where some of our smaller divisions, you know, 5A, 4A, those, you know, you obviously cannot make it to the playoffs. You can you can end the season being non-eligible for the playoffs. But um, so, yeah, man, we're, we're really looking to increase our seating. Um, when this comes out, I have no idea where we'll be. <laughs> but but we're doing okay right now. And, uh, and it's been a blast. And on the freshman side, you know, it's just, it's just development, development, development. Um, I think we play for a plaque or something like a, Tulsa Metro plaque that we put on the wall that says you won the most games or something as freshman, but you know, that's, that's not anything that's worth anything. It's, it's about the kids enjoying ball and, and getting better. And um, even us as coaches, you know, we're getting better at calling our schemes and installing and um, how do we answer questions? So, you know, getting a lot out of it, but uh, yeah, man, we're, we're doing our okay. junior, our junior program. The last three weeks, we've lost by one. We've lost in overtime. And then this week, we lost in either double or triple overtime. And so a lot of character development going on with our junior high guys that stinks right now. But, man, I think it's great for their growth to go through those experiences and see how close they are. And then we actually played a JV game Monday. I know we had an episode about JV games and B-team games, and we won seven to six, and we play everybody. So it was a – Big win for our program. We had played the same team a couple weeks ago. I uh, got beat like 42 to 14. Played them this time, and, you know, JV games are kind of weird. And we yeah. played pretty well with our young guys and got some good reps. So fun to see those younger guys develop. You know, if you are coaching on a younger team, I'm, I'm not disparaging winning because winning helps. But uh, be sure that you're focusing on getting them ready for the games that matter when they're in senior high. Yeah, there's um... – you know, there's lots of philosophies about 
even where I'm at, like in my own coaching staff, there's guys look at it different. And some of them, that's the level they want to coach until they retire. And so they want to go win games. Right. And it comes down to personal preference. And, um, and so sometimes you got to go out there and you got to try to win the game. Uh, but I, I often wonder if people ever put their worst players on the field to start kind of that, uh, we'll take the ball second in overtime, right? I want to know what they're going to put up in the first half until we get our ringers out there. I'm, I think maybe if I'm still in a freshman squad next year, maybe I'll try that. Let's just start with the worst kids we have, let them go out there and be starters, and then <laughs> see if we can play catch up. Or, you know, maybe they go out and surprise us. But, uh, I, our, you know, our, our twos and threes and stuff are just like everyone else's. You know, we're, we're trying to hide them. Or they're just – maybe they just aren't ball players, but – we're not going to kick them out of the program. Like that would be ridiculous. So, and you never know who's going to develop when they might grow up in two or three years and, and be the next stud. So, but anyway, yeah, having a ton of fun on freshman ball, enjoying this weather. It is hunting season. I'm excited about getting in the woods. We put up a blind today, an extra blind. So, uh, my father-in-law and I, so that's just spending time doing good things like that in the, in the woods when we're not out on the practice field. Well, coach, if, uh, you know, we're, we came tonight, we're going to talk a little bit of strong side, quick side. And, and I know that's something that you use in your offense to um, designate where your offensive linemen go, right? And you you like to flip your O-line each time with the formation. And, and and I'm sure we'll talk about more than just that as an indicator. You know, I bring up smart splits to guys and they're like, well, if I'm, if I'm using smart splits to pull, surely the opponent's going to see it. And sometimes I think we overthink – what our indicators are, right? Um, working with Joe all these years, he teaches, you know, aligned to perform. So my H-back may align inside if I'm going to run power to that side so he can get a good kick. And outside of it's going to be counter because that's just where he's, it, you know, he aligns better. And some people think that's an indicator. And I think we can just, you can game plan around it. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear kind of how you've gone about that over the years, ensuring that doesn't become something that is a tendency and how you're breaking it. Um, so let's... Uh, if you want to tell us, you know, some simple ways to uh, bring football around our staff, to our players, right? Just keep everything real simple for them, uh, and then we'll get started with our talk. Coaching 101 podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions. Findaway Productions also sponsors fbcoachsimpson.com for all your coaching needs with over 30 coaching materials, books, as well as 50 PowerPoints and videos and smaller materials and the free magazine headsets. Findaway Productions also sponsors OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, all things offense, and DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, all things defense. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Speed and Movement. At AthleticSpeedMovement.com, we've taken Dell Basket's 45 years of speed and movement training and put it all in one place just for you. You can get the same training that NFL players have been getting for years, collegiate players have been getting for years, and now high schools across the nation are paying thousands of dollars to bring Dell in to, to install his system, but we've got it online for you. It's time to help your team become faster, not just in the 40, not just their sprint speed, but between the tackles and their cuts while they're chasing down the quarterback. It's time for you to help them become faster everywhere. Jump over to athleticspeedmovement.com. There's an orange button there. Just click it. It says, uh, get the keys to playing faster. You'll get the three core movement video from Dell. He's explaining the science behind it all for just the price of your email. Check it out, athleticspeedmovement.com. All right, awesome, Coach. So first question here, just what are your strong side and quick side linemen? Well, you know, a lot of offenses are balanced. So in the spread world, I don't really know if you really want to run a strong and a quick side. So like if you're a, a 10 personnel, which if you don't know what that means, it just means you have four wide receivers, you don't really have a tight end or an H-back. 
um, then strong and quick, you can still run this, but I don't know if it will be quite as effective as if it would be if you're attaching a tight end to it or you're attaching a wing to it or whatever you're attaching. But essentially, when we say strong and quick, you know, we are we're calling out like these guys play on our, we call it our strong side. And so uh, we have a strong right call or whatever your word is for that. Uh, a lot of people go colors or they'll go with whatever it is, but just whatever your word is for strong, right? So that tackle and guard who are, they know they're the strong side ones, they go to the right. And then your quick side guys go to the left. So we designate both sides, a strong and a quick. Uh, and they learn just, you know, if I'm on the strong right, I'm going to go to the right. Strong left, I'm going to go to the left. Generally, as it sounds like, um, you're a bigger lineman. You're not as much, you're not as not as likely to pull type guys would go to the strong side. Uh, this is actually not so much a wing T thing. I mean, I brought it, we run a wing T type system and the gun T, but a lot of guys have run wing T or even run the gun T and they don't run strong and quick. And there are some guys that run like power type football that will run strong and quick or even spread world. So it's not something that's tied to a certain system. Uh, we like it because generally our bigger guys that maybe don't move as well would be assigned to the strong side. And in our offense, they're usually with some kind of attached tight end, H-back, wing back, maybe both, maybe even a tight end and an H-back or wing back, whatever you call them. And right. so a lot of times you're you're putting them to where you're already putting the numbers anyway. I've called defense for a long time, and 99% of the time the defense is going to call strength to the tight end regardless of what number lineman is there. Uh, so we're just going in and putting them over there anyway. And then our quick side guys are generally the more athletic of the groupings. So since we run a lot of pulling in our system, our guards are more athletic. Our quick guard would be the most athletic because he's going to do the most pulling. Our strong side guard is athletic, but he's generally not quite as fluid, I guess you could say, in space. And then our tackles, our strong tackle is generally uh, that bigger kid on most programs, real strong kid, but he's not super athletic. And so if you're a spread guy, think of like a guard, like people put him at guard. Uh, and then our quick tackle is generally the more traditional of the two. He's usually that uh, guy that can handle pass rush. He can handle getting in space for screens. And, of course, he can also block for a run. So that's usually how we'll look at doing strong and quick. Philosophy behind it, I think we're going to get to in the next question. But basically, we're looking at putting our more athletic guys on the quick side and our bigger, stronger guys on the strong side. And like I said, generally, if you're going to run this, I'd suggest you run it with a tight end, an H-back, something to kind of mask uh, the strong tackles deficiencies. Because usually if you're running this, some of it does have to do with talent. And we'll get into that in another question. Yeah. Um, you know, I like what you you say about the strong guys. Are, you know, they're really good for the down block, right? The guy is sitting on top of me. I don't have to be in space. Um, I'm a defensive guy, so I often think about like trying to tackle in space, right? I don't want a D lineman trying to tackle in space. So why would I want an O lineman trying to block in space? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so if you can get those quicker, more athletic guys um, making your pulls, we all want to watch big dudes run fast and just blow up a defensive end, right? Like that ex super explosive kick out. Of course, that's a lot of fun, but how many whiffs are in between 
you know, explosive kick out. So, um, you know, having watched your system for a few years now, I, I appreciate that we're just getting a body there, give him a non-negotiable and let him go to work versus worried about some explosive play that happened in a pancake behind the line. Like it just doing what needs to be done, not what we want to happen. Right. Um, that's awesome. So why, why do you use now? And, and I guess kind of what got you started using the strong side, quick side method versus just the traditional stuff? Sure. You know, a lot of guys, um, and you mentioned, you kind of mentioned there, Daniel, I would love to pull every lineman in my program. I would like for them all to be six, four, 320 pounds and be able to move. Like we would all want that in our program. And depending on what level you play, maybe you're blessed at a place where you do have a really good offensive line across the board. I've had one, probably one year where we were pretty dominant up front across the board. I've coached for 20 years. So one out of 20 is not That's a great not, ratio. Not, sounds like a good blocks to whiff rate right there. Right. So, you, <laughs> so basically we came to this because it was a good way to hide uh, deficiencies. Um, so when we talk a couple of different ways here, so let's talk first of all, schematic wise. So schematic wise, it cuts down the time of teaching plays. So like in our office, we never call right or left in a play. Like we don't run lead right and lead left, or we don't run buck right and buck left. We just run buck and it always goes to the strong side. Or we may run jet and it always goes to the quick side. So we're going to run plays both ways. And it's one of your questions you got coming up, I think. But we're going to run plays both ways, but we're only going to run one certain type of play one way and another type of play the other way. Um, and so for us, it has eliminated some verbiage on play calls and on what goes where. And also it allows kids to really get good at the skill that they are needed to perform. So we can design our offense to only run certain plays to the strong side that those guys are capable of doing and certain plays to the quick side that those guys are capable of doing. And that can change every year. Of course, in my system, we kind of have three bread and butter ones and a gun tee. But if you're listening to this and you don't want to run that, you want to run a different kind of offense, that's fine. But you're going to have certain plays that are going to be good for those guys' ability. And so we want to run those to the strong side and the quick side. So that's the schematic part of it. Then you look at ability. So most of us at the level we're at are going to have an undersized lineman. Again, if you're 1A, they might all be undersized, but one's even more undersized. But like we're right. playing in the 5A level in Arkansas. So generally, the defensive lines we're facing – most of them, not all of them, but most of them are going to be in that 240 to 300 pound range type kid that we're being asked to block. We have a 165 pound guard who's starting for us, and he started every game this year so far. And he's not a bad lineman for us because we're able to put him at quick guard where 95% of his job, not all the time, but most of it is getting to a second level block, which is a skill that he's pretty good at. Right. You know, and then we have a strong tackle. And in years past, I've had a strong tackle who was really big and strong, but extremely slow and not real athletic. But like Daniel kind of mentioned, he was able to handle defense alignment, but you know he would never be able to combo off and get second level. You never want him in a pass protection on the edge. You know, and that kid can't play if we're running a balanced look. Like you can't put that kid out there. You're going to get somebody hurt because his deficiencies are going to show up. Like we can't run zone with a 165 pound guard. Like that just wouldn't be a good play for him. So 
by going strong and quick, you're able to highlight their strengths. I kind of mentioned one big guys down blocking, smaller guys pulling, highlight their strengths. But you're also able to hide their deficiencies. You know, we're never going to have our strong tackle on an island blocking a really athletic edge pass rusher because that's not going to be his strength. And in this offense, we can kind of hide that. We're not going to, we don't even ask him to reach in our system because he can't. Our quick tackle is able to do a lot of things. So we ask him to do a lot of things. So to me, it's been a way to highlight our strengths, hide our deficiencies. And again, the scheme wise, because we only run plays a certain way, they're only having to learn a certain skill. So we, we think of our offensive linemen kind of like most receiver coaches think of their receivers. Like if you just told a guy, hey, you're in charge of the receivers, there's a lot of different receivers. You know, there's the Tyreek Hills. That you want to move around and get the ball a lot of ways. There's the Randy Mosses that are a traditional X. You know, there's the I'm really a running back, but you're asking me to play receiver type kid. You know, those are very different kids. But if we coached them all the same, Everybody would look at it and say, that's not smart. You need to use them to their strengths. Right. For some reason, when we look at the offensive line, we don't look <laughs> at it the same way. We Everyone just say, do the same know, thing. Yeah, you guys all go down with that O-line coach and figure it out. You know, that's kind of what we look at. We don't look at it that way in our offense. We look at it as this kid has these strengths, this kid has these strengths, so our scheme is going to match that. And then because we do that, there are times where the strong side of our line is with this coach and the quick side of our line is with that coach. And then we even break it down farther in our offense and we look at what skills are required by our guards or by our tackles. So how can we work on their skills, what they need to do? And the one way we can do that is we know these are the plays we're going to run and the blocks they need to perform. So when we schedule our practices, we can schedule them to work that. If you're running... The traditional front where we're all working inside zone, they all need to work together. And it just makes sense if that's what they're going to do. But I think it's trickling up to the NFL. So it's going to become even more prevalent is gap scheme running has started. People started to realize pin and pull and gap scheme running is how you can make a not as skilled offensive line look a lot better. And one of the ways you can help them is take it one step farther and run a strong and a quick side. If I was at the NFL level and I had five linemen that could do everything or at the collegiate level, you probably don't need to run this. But if you're at any high school in America, unless you're winning state championships every year, this is something you should at least look at, in my opinion. I'm not saying you need to run it, but it's something to consider when you're trying to put together an offense. You know, when you when you talk about wide receivers and compare it to how we coach O line, that should open the most eyes because you're right. Like you know, Wes Welker and Randy Moss are completely different guys, and they're both NFL caliber receivers, right? But they have different jobs, they have different skills, um, different strengths, and so, um, you know, I've coached the one A level. I've I've coached at one A and three A and four A and now six A, and I've seen, yeah, at six A level, we have five guys to go get it. But you know what? When one of them's down, if they get hurt or or whatever, or maybe our twos are in, it doesn't matter. We still know that that's a drop off, and we have a weakness there. So it wouldn't even be a like a sin to put this in at that level, to be honest, because at least then your number two knows exactly what their job is, right? 
if I ever need my number two to step up, because what do we do normally, right? Like, okay, if my left, ta- if my starting left tackle goes down, now my right guard becomes my left tackle and the backup to the right guard comes in and maybe my center has to shift. Like we do all this crazy uh, gymnastics with our O-line, right? Because we're trying to make all five guys do the same job. Um, and so I think if you have something like this, at least your strong side could have the same backup. And so the guy has to know how to do two jobs and your quick side can have the same backup. But also down at the 1A level, um, you know, there's times that we probably should have had we had this idea back when I was at that level, uh, maybe, you know, like a middle linebacker type kid, a kid who's just physical and quick and can, you know, doesn't mind going and getting face-to-face with somebody, he absolutely should have been our pulling guard, right? Instead, we're using what probably is most most people's hide a player. Like, that's our starting left guard because he can't be at tackle because we can't let a defensive end crush our quarterback but we need an offensive line type on the offensive line, right? So um, I very much see where, I mean, if you're talking about putting a fullback or two fullbacks on the left side of your line or the quick side of your line, right, so they can move across and just blow stuff up, why not? If you're going to let a fullback lead in the hole anyway in the old school two-back system, why not just let them be the the pull to, to wrap guy in your offensive line? So yeah, the caveat I would put with that, Daniel, I think we've kind of both mentioned it is, I would not run a strong and quick if I was going to run a zone type scheme. Like I don't, I don't think that works, but like you said, they're pulling and wrapping and pinning and pulling. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, I even, you know, one of my questions was going to be about pass pro and you answered already with, you know, attaching a tight end or a wing with that guy. That's not very mobile. We just discussed, we don't want him blocking in space and now he's the outside guy. Right. Um, Talking about our strong tackle here, but, now I've got a tight end or a wing or both that's there to help him out. Uh, and so we're not so worried about him giving away the edge, right? He can just, we can teach him how to pass pro, whatever your method is, whatever you want to teach. Um, even if it's big on big or he has a man, but we know he's got a dude outside. So he doesn't have to worry about giving that up. So that's, that's a really big part, I think. Um, so last question here, and, and I figure we'll talk about this one a while because there's a lot of identifiers, and, and I'll bring up some personal stuff um, as we move through this, but how do you prevent this, the, the strong side, quick side, from becoming an identifier of what you're trying to run? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the number one question I get. I get that question and training backups is the two questions I get a lot because we run the system, so a lot of guys are going to ask me, that's kind of what they ask. Well, the first thing I'll usually tell them uh, is – you got to run equal number of plays both ways. Like, you know, you can't just run only the ball to the strong side, or of course teams are just going to load up over there. You have to have some run plays that can go to the quick side, at least a couple and be willing to run it if the numbers are right. So we tell our linemen, just because you're on the quick side, I mean, a lot of times our quick tackles are best linemen. Like if you just judge them by what they were, he's the most athletic, the most, you know, so this year he is, he's by far our best lineman. And so we run the ball to the quick side, some games more than to the strong side, because what you said is happens a lot where people decide you're not running the ball over here because this is where your tight end wing are. This is where we think your best linemen are. You've got a really good running back, whatever. So you've got to be able to run the ball the other way. So I think that's big. If you're going to run a strong and a quick system is, at least have two or three things you can do back the other direction 
Because if you don't, Daniel's 100% right, you're going to get massive numbers to the strong side. We get that a lot. Like We get that a lot because we're not only are we strong and quick, but we're also tight end wing. And so you know, you got a four-man surface over there. So a lot of times it's easier to run the ball to the quick side because there's less guys over there. So we figure out what runs those guys can do. And then we highlight that. Some years for us, that's what we call quick belly or power ISO, whatever you want to call back to the other side. Some years that's counter back the other way. Some years this year for us, jet, pin and pull jet has been a really good one for us this year because they're undersized and then get out there and get guys reached and get on the edge. And so having plays that go both ways are important. I think it's important guys understand you are going to be identified that way. The other thing you need to identify is it doesn't really matter where the linemen are. They're probably calling strength to tight end wing anyway. Like if you line up a tight end and a tight end and a wing for sure, that's where they're going to call their strength. I mean, unless you have some ridiculous tendency, they're going to call strength that direction, regardless of where your linemen line up. Now you need to be aware, like we move linemen. So we run some unbalanced sets. We actually bring our quick tackle over to the strong side. And in that one, I would imagine if you checked our chart, we're probably 95% run to this unbalanced side. Uh, now, we have stuff that can go back the other direction, uh, but that's because all our best guys are over there. And it's and I'm not going to, like, stop doing something that's not working because I'm worried about a tendency. I call that chasing ghosts. Like, when you do things just to do them, but you're getting eight yards of carry. I don't really care what your tendency on me is until you stop me. I'm not going to show the next thing. That needs to be built into your offense, but it doesn't mean you have to do it every week. And a lot of times as coaches, it's like we think we have to do something because there might be a tendency. And then the, the last thing I've got on here is, is I don't know why having a tendency is a bad thing. If you're aware of it, like if you're aware that, hey, we have a tendency that we're getting unbalanced. We run the ball 95% of the time to the strong side. And if I get a certain look, we have these built-in answers that we're going to go to. Um, and then we have that in our offense. Like we, even we're not unbalanced, let's say we're a normal, you know, heavy right or strong right. Okay? And you want to put a bunch of guys over there because that's what you think our tendency is. You just have to have built-in answers to that. Like for us, if you're going to do this, we call that an if-then chart. So if the defense decides we have this tendency, I already have these built-in answers. And as an offensive coordinator, I think you need to have those, whatever offense you run. But we understand, we go strong and quick, that they're probably going to match their strong guys on our strong guys and their lesser guys on our quick side guys. So a couple of things we go to is we do a lot of shifting and trading where we line up over here, and then we move the strength over there. And now that really puts a defense, especially a high school-level defense, with a lot to do because now you're going to have to identify strength, re-identify strength. Are you going to move your entire line over there? Are you going to try to match personnel, have them running right before we snap the ball to get lined up over there? Then we have some sets where in what I call a balance look, where we put the tight end on one side and the wing on the other. And now, how are you handling that one? So a lot of times when you're running strong and quick, as long as you're willing, as long as you're willing to run the ball back to the quick side, I don't really care what your tendency is on me. I think that it's, 
I think I'd be more concerned. You mentioned at the early start of the podcast with alignment tendencies. Like if my wings inside, like I think that's a bigger tell than the other because that's something we might pick up on. Or one that we struggle with a lot of times is our linemen's depth. Like they're off the ball when they're pulling and they're on the ball when they're not pulling. Like that's a bigger tell, I think, because you can get that right now and get it communicated in. Or it might be if you're not a tight end wing guy, if you're a spread guy, when you condense your formation, you're running outside. And when you widen your formation, you're running inside. So the, those are tendencies that I'd almost be more concerned with than a strong and a quick side. Because I don't, as long as you're willing to run the ball both ways, I don't really know if that hurts you. Yeah, you know, you talk about not having a or having a tendency is not necessarily a bad thing. And I can think about weaponizing anything, right? And maybe that's just my mindset. But imagine going into a game and 90% of the time or 100% of the time you do this mm-hmm. and you pre-program that defense's brain that whatever, Buck is coming. And you've not shown the counter. And now you need to score to win the game. And bam, you've got your, your counter to whatever your 100% tendency is, right? Like, it's okay to have that. Um, maybe it even lets the DC be unprepared for what you're bringing to the table. Now, of course, you're probably going to show that throughout the season, but most teams around here trade two game films. So if you can just hide that tendency for two games, like you've, you've got it anytime you want it. And obviously it's not the way to live life because people trade film all over the place, but man, 90%, when I see that as a DC, I'm like, okay, this is all I care about. If they're going to beat me with that 10%, they're going to beat me, right? So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Things I see as a benefit to using this, um, the tackle over kind of becomes easier. And and so a kind of personal story for us, we played a game just the other day with my freshmen. And of course, freshmen don't communicate well, right? They don't don't necessarily see everything. Um, And so the team we're playing goes tackle over, but they took their left tackle and tucked him inside of the right tackle. So my defensive end lines up on the same tackle he's been seeing all night long, which was the right tackle, but the nose stays on the center. So now I've got two unguarded gaps. There's no chance for me to defend that play. Of course, they run lead right to that double gap because it becomes a Mack truck could go through it, right? Like I'm, I have no shot as a DC. Like those kids had no, no way were they ever going to defend that play. And the defensive end had no idea. The backside defensive end had no idea. The nose guard had no idea. They I came, they come off, and I'm like, did you not see it? No, coach, my guy was where he's always at. Okay, so I say all that to say they don't see it, right? They don't always see the changes. And so you're talking about whether you want to use smart splits or your H-back being moved around or, you know, rotating that line. There's things that coaches can't see on film. Um, I can't tell you how many games I broke down, and I can't tell what the numbers are in the jerseys, right? Like, I... Maybe if one of them's huge, I'll be like, oh, the huge guy or the guy with the bright uh, green cleats, you know, he swaps sides however many times. But there's so much stuff you can't see on sideline film. And so, you know, as long as you're not sending out your end zone film to everybody, which I assume we're all tucking that away into our secret stash, right? I'd imagine you better be prepared for it to get out. There you go. Um but yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff that coaches are not going to see and kids will not communicate because they won't notice it either. That's the key, Daniel. I think what you're saying there is you may know all my tendencies, and that's fine. How much can you teach your kids in three days? You know, how many how many things you think a 16 year old who he likes football? Maybe you have one real smart kid 
how many tendencies can he get? And I've just got to make him wrong on one. Like if you've told him 90% of the time we run over here, so blitz this A gap and we run screen. And now he doubts everything you told him. You know, and I think that's that's what I think a lot of coaches say to kind of chase ghosts there with strong side and this and whatever it is or or tendencies and this is, you know, my son plays safety for our high school team. So he, because he's the coach's son and he's pretty sharp, he's the one that has to learn all the tendencies and make all the calls and do all that. He's 15 years old. You know how many times he screwed up last week on that? Probably more than we wish he did. You know, and he's pretty sharp, and I know he watches film, and I help him with it. And so that's what you're getting. So understand that a lot of times you, you mentioned they have tendencies, and I'm fine with that. But can the kid – you mentioned, can the kid pick up on it? You, you just said they had an uncovered gap. I, 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 we've had that happen to us multiple times. Uncovered gap, a whole drive. And we're trying to get it communicated from the sideline. We either have to burn a timeout or we have to hope that we can get a stop and get it the next drive because – the band's playing, everything's going on. So, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought that was a good oh, point. That's, you're, you're, you're spot on, man. The kids can't – they already can't communicate with each other, and we we way overplay that as coaches sometimes. Like, just talk. Talk about the motion. Talk about seeing that. They can't. They don't know how to talk to each other. All they can do is text anyway. Put it on Snapchat. I guarantee they'd get it, that you'd be all right if you had Snapchat in the game. But now we need them to come to the sidelines and tell us what they're seeing. Uh, you know, I've even – I say coaches can't see it. There's – there's coaches on my sideline that see the game better than I do, right? They can tell you what happened on that last play. And I'm like, I didn't see any of that, right? I don't, I, we'll go back and watch film and maybe I'm right. Maybe they're right, but at least they have a plan. There's times I'm like, that is, it's just as blurry in person as it's going to be on film later. So, you know, it happens. So it's, I don't think the indicators, the tendencies, the identifier, I don't think any of that is, is quite as big as what people make it out to be. Um, just go play ball. And if it's working for you, use it. And if it isn't, cut it out, right? Cut out what ain't working and, and keep what is, and I think you'll be okay. Well, this could be a pretty quick episode, I think, Kenny. But uh, we'll we'll jump right into uh, what not to do as a coach. Um, so today's lesson on what not to do is kind of in line almost exactly with what we just got done talking about, but it's to overthink how an opponent views us, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I'll do offense today, and I might do defense later on. But a lot of times we think about, man, we self-scout uh, because we're obsessed. That's what we do as coaches. We self-scout. We we see all our deficiencies and we see all our uh, tendencies and we see all our potential areas where somebody might figure out how to attack us. And there's nothing wrong with having like, like we spend all week on offense working on worst case scenario stuff. Like third and long is a bad place for us to be. So we spend a lot of time working on that. So as I'm not telling you don't prepare. I am telling you sometimes as a coach, we over prepare for things that don't matter as much. I can't tell you how many times we've had these two or three little wrinkles we're going to do on third and long. And then we get to third and long and we run our base third and long play and it converts. And then we get to another third and long run, that base third and long can play, and it converts. And you go, how much practice time did I just waste <laughs> you know, putting this in? Because I was worried that they were going to see this. Well, if I've done a good job on the front end, the answers are already in the playbook. Yeah. 
You know, I think a lot of times as coaches, we overthink this team's going to know this, this, and the other. Now, let me give you a little caveat on this. If you run two-by-two two spread, you better have some wrinkles because that's a pretty – I don't want to say vanilla. That's not the right word, but that's a pretty standard offense. So you might want to have some. But if you're running any kind of what I'm going to call unorthodox offense, or you're running like tight end wings and RPOs and all these different things that are out there now, if you're running one of those kinds of systems, maybe option, you know, whatever it is, something that like – a defense doesn't see day one of install. If you're running any of those kind of systems, obviously, you know me, if you're listening, I run the gun T and that's why we run that is because it's unique and it's different. You got to imagine what they're going through on Monday with their kids for an hour, maybe on defense, maybe an hour and a half on Tuesday with their kids, maybe an hour and a half on Wednesday with their kids. I'm talking about just defense. That's the time they have allotted to stop you, how much time do you really think they're they're able to put in and, and just have your offense down pat? Yeah, probably not very much. So if you're good, really good at what you do in your base, you only have to be okay at the other stuff. Like we are really good at running buck sweep. We're always going to be really good at running buck sweep, and we're okay at the RPOs, and we're okay at counter. And we're okay at play action because if we're really good at buck, it sets everything else up. And I didn't mean to get on a tangent there, but the idea no. that you quit worrying about what they're thinking about you and just run your stuff. No, you're you're absolutely spot on. And 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 you can't over communicate that either because look, I, I've been guilty of it's no secret that we have to play Bixby around here, right? And Bixby is is a thousand formations to run eleven plays. And they will formation you to death. And so what we get guilty of is not practicing up on their base stuff so much, but trying to make sure that none of those little gimmick formations beat us. So then we spend no time practicing their base formations. They can come out in their base stuff and, and kind of walk all over you, right? Because you've been so worried about, um, I mean, they have an offensive guard out in the slot receiver and they've got, you know, empty with, quads and and three by two and five to one side and big shifts and changes and trades you get so caught up trying to defend all that little stuff and make sure your guys are prepared that they just come out and line their base stuff and go to work and you can quickly fall behind so it's if you have like i like your unorthodox offense if you have anything that isn't hey i'm running doubles and trips and doubles and trips with tight ends and then you're you're probably okay with just having a few formations run the same stuff. They're not going to be able to. They they ain't got time. They just don't have time. The offensive guys stealing all their time to make their offense better anyway. So yeah, you're you're going to be good. Awesome, coach. Well, um, I think that checks all the boxes here tonight. Um, social media wise, I am on Twitter or X at Coach Chambo OK. You can email me at chamberlainfootballconsulting at gmail.com. Apparently, I have a stutter tonight or something. I don't know. Got to take a break every once in a while with my talking. <laughs> um, where can we find you at, Coach? I'm going to steal just a second, too, Daniel, if you're listening. No, it's the coach, it. Coach's Cap, C-O-A-C-H-S-C-A-P. I hope that website's up pretty soon because I got my first sample. So if you don't know what this is, I'm excited about it. 
It's going to be a boonie cap, essentially. And then on the bottom of it, we have attached a Fox 40, because that's what old school guys like. Yeah, we uh, do. Clip with the whistle. If you don't like the Fox 40, you simply unclip it and get you one of those old school metal ones. Uh, one of my favorite things that I've come up with, uh, basically, I got tired of having 16 laners around my neck or forgetting my whistle. So got a patent. First time I've ever had a patent. I didn't know I'd be an inventor. So that's exciting. But I'm hoping the first shipment will be in pretty soon, guys. It's called Coach's Cap. And, uh, man, I'm excited about it. I hope that it'll at least maybe save you from forgetting a whistle for one prompt. It'd be worth, you know, worth 25 bucks to get a boonie cap with a whistle anyway. I figure, you know, just try to take care of the coaches. So, anyway, uh, social media for me is fbcoachsimpson.com uh, is my website. At fbcoachsimpson on Twitter slash the new platform, whatever it's called. And then all the uh, – Facebook groups you can find us in. I think we recorded this episode live in a couple of the groups. So you got a chance to go and get a lot of free content. A couple of those Facebook groups have like 30,000 coaches in there sharing ideas, talking to each other. It's pretty cool. You know, there's always weird things going on, but for the most part, you can kind of find what you're looking for and a lot of good coaches in there wanting to help each other. And then uh, you can email me at fbcoachsimpson at gmail.com. Awesome. Podcast is on Twitter slash X at coaching one Oh one pod. Jump in, ask questions. Um, that's, that's a pretty quick way to reach out to Kenny or I. We want to thank you for being a listener to the coaching one Oh one podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue to make the complex more simple. Please consider subscribing to the show. Um, that's on podcast or on YouTube. All right. Uh, Coach Simpson's posting all of these on YouTube so you can watch us. I don't know if you enjoy watching us more than just listening to us on the radio, whatever. Um, but subscribe wherever you're at so you'll always know when the new episodes come out. We'll leave you with this. It's hard to beat someone who never gives up. No matter the situation, find a way.